This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lodger-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. As you age or your parents age, discussions and planning may need to take place concerning paying for nursing home care. Our guest today, attorney Kelly Kyle from Kyle Winn & Associates, will answer your questions about how to protect your family's assets from nursing home costs. And our expert hosts can take your personal finance questions. Contact us by email. The address, it's money at mpbonline.org. We always like to start the show with financial news in the news, starting with Nancy. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning, Kevin. Well, last week, uh, we got to participate in Schwab's Conference for Financial Advisors. Of course, it was all virtual. That meant that everybody in our office got to plug into sessions. And the main takeaway I got from the conference was that the recovery is delayed. It is not derailed. So that's excellent news. And that all of this uh, clog traffic jam in shipping is starting to ease. It peaked September 19th, and I learned that September is typically the peak for shipping every year, but magnified this year by COVID. That doesn't mean those shelves will suddenly be full for Christmas, uh, so prepare for that, but we are starting to see some relief there. Ryder, what about you? What's, uh, What's news in the news for you? Um, I had a s- similar thought, kind of some more interesting details. I, I, I like these quirky little stories about the supply chain. And when Nancy mentioned shipping, one of the there's there's a whole lot of spaces in that supply chain. Is do we have enough ships? Do we have enough people unloading those ships? Do we have enough place to store the containers that are coming off? Do we have enough truck drivers? And there's been kind of holdups in every link in the supply chain. But one link is getting freed up recently. A problem was that too many containers were just sitting at the port, so there was, of course, no room to unload new containers. So they changed a law temporarily in, I believe, in Long Beach, which is has a huge, huge, huge and very important port, and they just allowed containers to be stored in higher stacks. So they were allowing normally out of the port, you can stack containers too high, so one on top of the other, but they doubled storage capacity just by saying, okay, well, you can store them four high for right now. You know, it's a temporary measure, but it's just those little quirks of legal limits on things or a rule or a custom on something where that that might be holding those back. So I I thought that was an interesting quirk uh, in the supply chain, and it will be interesting to see, like Nancy said, how things ease up uh, if indeed this is just kind of a seasonal peak anyway. Talk about making you feel small. Could you imagine standing there looking up at uh, four of those things stacked on top of each other? That's uh, that's quite a sight. Well, just imagine being next to one of those huge, huge ships as it comes into <laughs> port anyway. Our guest for Money Talks today is attorney Kelly Kyle. He's joining us to answer questions about how to protect your family's assets from nursing home costs. Kelly, good morning and thanks for joining us. Good morning, Kevin. Always a pleasure to be with uh, the MPB group, whether it's on in legal terms or this show. 
So before moving full-time into nursing home care, an individual's doctor may recommend inpatient rehabilitation at a nursing home. How is rehab nursing home stays different from full-time nursing home stays? Well, rehabilitative stay is just exactly what it sounds like. Its purpose is to uh, enable someone who has perhaps had a fall, had a stroke, um, some type of injury or illness that uh, they need to recover from uh, gives them in a nursing home type facility uh, to take advantage of physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, um, those types of treatments that um, are best rendered in a residential type setting where uh, they're not having to uh, leave their home and come to uh, a clinic or uh, other facility to receive those um, types of treatment. So um, we have uh, under the Medicare programs, um, the ability for uh, an, a senior citizen to receive up to 100 days of rehabilitative care. And uh, typically that comes after someone has spent at least three days in a hospital. But one of the uh, things that COVID has done is relax that three-day inpatient requirement. So um, just to get out of a hospital situation, I suppose, where the rationale might be that they might be more likely to contract COVID there. Uh, they get them out of the hospital and into that uh, rehabilitation facility that much quicker. We don't know how much longer that waiver is going to last, but it is in effect at least for right now. So when it comes to inpatient rehab uh, nursing home stays, uh, what will Medicare cover? Well, all of those things that we just talked about, the uh, actual cost of the stay, uh, which can run about $255 per day. That's according to a recent study done by the Council on Aging. Uh, and, you know, I find that figure to be pretty applicable for most of the nursing homes, uh, no, excuse me, nursing homes here in Mississippi but they will pay for the cost of the actual stay. They will pay for the cost of uh, those therapy modalities that people are receiving while they're there. Um, are there some things that Medicare will not cover? Um, it will generally cover most of those things that we talked about. Um, as long as they are in a skilled nursing facility, uh, they don't cover some of the little extras. Uh, they don't cover a private room, for instance. Um, if there are uh, charges assessed by the facility for uh, phone or TV, they might cover those. But, you know, let's face it, nearly everybody has a cell phone that they're going to uh, take with them there. Um, they don't cover private duty nursing um, but most of the other things that we've talked about are covered by Medicare. Um, and I think you mentioned uh, the, the, how long the coverage lasts. It's uh, 100 days, is that correct? It is up to 100 days. Uh, when people come in and uh, talk to my law partner, Ms. Wynn, and me about a family member's nursing, they, they often 
phrase it as if they can bank on receiving 100 days of care. That's actually not true. Uh, you only get, like I said, up to 100 days, and that is conditioned upon uh, the person uh, benefiting from those rehabilitative services. If you come in and unfortunately your condition uh, renders you unable really to benefit from those services, say in the case of a severe stroke that leaves the person just 100% impaired, they're not going to get anywhere close to that 100 days that we're talking about. So again, you have to be uh, in a physical and mental condition so that you are benefiting from the services that you're receiving. And is that up from a, a lower number? Was it maybe 90 days at one time? No, it's been about 100 days as long as I can remember. And I've been in this exclusive uh, estate planning and elder law practice over 11 years now. Uh, it has been 100 days as long as I can remember. If you have a question for our experts, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're talking about how you might pay for nursing home expenses. How can you contact our guest? We'll have that information for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone to all the local MPB Think Radio shows on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're talking this morning about protecting your family's assets from nursing home costs with our guest, Attorney Kelly Kyle of Kyle Wynn & Associates. If you want more information about the work that they do, you can go to their website. It's kyle-win.com. We've got a call around the line, so let's say good morning to Bob in Hattiesburg. Bob, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. 
Good morning. How are you, uh, Kevin and panel? Thanks for taking the call, and thanks for having this show. Sure, go ahead. Um, you're, you're, the title of your show is How to Protect Your Assets, and, and that's what I'm asking uh, straight up right now. Uh, comment, uh, some of the panel, the experts can comment on how to use whatever resources are currently available, government resources, Medicare, et cetera, for, a, for yourself or for a parent uh, that needs long-term nursing care um, without spending personal funds. When, uh, what level of personal funds do you have to not have um, uh, before um, government programs can, can cover these costs? Uh, I've heard a number of different opinions on this. Uh, I've heard, heard, heard ways of, um, of uh, surreptitiously hiding funds so that you can use government resources, et cetera. Would the panel comment on, on just what, what can be done in today's environment? All right. Well, that's an excellent question, Bob. I appreciate uh, you posing it. Um, let's get one thing out of the way. Um, there is not a legal way to, as you mentioned, surreptitiously hide assets. And we make it plain when a client comes in to talk to us about their family members' uh, needs that we absolutely cannot and will not cooperate uh, cannot assist if the family is not going to be 100% open and honest with us about what they have, what they may have given away in the past. Um, tell people, I don't look good in and I bet they don't either. So uh, we insist on uh, absolute transparency. Um, there are ways of saving your assets, but again, you have to play according to the rules. And we make it clear that Medicaid is a federally funded program but it is uh, administered by the states. So that means that every state gets to write their own rules for the Medicaid program. So that means that you have uh, 51 different sets of rules out there, the 50 states and the District of Columbia. So uh, it's important that you know what state, uh, what rules you're applying. We have people that come in and they say, well, I understand I can do this, and we ask where they got the information, and they tell us they got it off the Internet. And we say, well, it may be applicable in one state, but it's not applicable here in Mississippi. Um, as to your question about what you can have and still qualify for Medicaid benefits, if you are talking about a single person who needs uh, these services, um, you are limited to $4,000 in countable assets. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think about the assets that are actually non-countable, it can be a pretty substantial amount of assets that a person can have and still qualify for these important benefits. Um, your home is a non-countable asset. Two vehicles are not countable. Uh, any amounts that you have in retirement funds, like IRAs or 401Ks, are also non-countable assets. So um, the home limit is up to $500,000. There is not a limit on the uh, retirement funds. So as long as you only have $4,000 in cash, two vehicles, your home, and retirement funds, you can still qualify for Medicaid benefits to pay for a nursing home stay. If uh, the applicant is married, 
then you can add about $128,000 uh, that can be uh, in the name of what we call the community spouse, the one that is nothing to the nursing home. So uh, we can transfer funds from the applicant to the spouse without any type of transfer resulting. Um, so that is a strategy that we use frequently. And uh, we can transfer assets from the applicant to uh, children or other relatives, but we just have to report that transfer. And making a transfer uh, to someone other than a spouse will result in a penalty uh, before a penalty period before you're going to be eligible for Medicaid benefits. But it's still an effective strategy that enables us to um, save at least a portion of the assets rather than just spending them all down to that $4,000 threshold that we talked about. So we could get very deep in the weeds, I guess, about how you actually do that um, type of transfer and then what has to be done after that. But as long as you are honest and forthright and declare those transfers on uh, the Medicaid application, what we do is 100 percent uh, legal. Uh, you know, we, we don't hide anything. We put it in black and white on the application that assets have been uh, transferred, and then we work with the Medicaid uh, office to uh, mitigate the penalty period. All right, Bob, thanks for your call. So, Kyle, we uh, mentioned Medicaid. What about for veterans? Is there any VA uh, help available when it comes to nursing home costs? Yes, there is a program called Aid and Attendance, and it is available to um, some veterans, not all, but uh, if the veteran or their spouse served in any branch of the U.S. military during a period of wartime, and for people alive today, that would include, of course, World War II, although those veterans are dying at a, a astounding rate. I forget what the number is. It seems like maybe 10,000 World War II veterans are dying every single day. Um, but World War II would uh, qualify the Korean War, the Vietnam War, and of course the very lengthy uh, Persian War would qualify. as. But um, if you have the wartime service for the veteran or spouse, if the veteran or spouse or both require um, assistance in those activities of daily living in order to uh, get up and get dressed, prepare your meals, etc. Um, and if the cost of the necessary care is greater than uh, the family's income, then these aid and attendance benefits are available. And you know, this is probably one of the biggest secrets that's out there. People seem to have very little uh, awareness of this program, but it can provide uh, several thousand dollars a month uh, in uh, income that can go towards the cost of this care. And where this differs from the Medicaid program is it covers not only nursing home care, which is all that Medicaid will pay for, but the aid and attendance program is available for people that need care in their own home or in an assisted living facility or the nursing home. So um, it has obviously some financial requirements as well. 
but they're somewhat more generous than the Medicaid requirements. So a lot of people will qualify for the aid and attendance benefits that would not outright qualify for the Medicaid, and uh, those benefits are um, able to keep a lot of people in their own home for a lot longer than they'd otherwise be able to stay there. Uh, Nancy, I think you wanted to, to join the conversation. Well, yes, and um, the first thing I would say is that we hear so many times from people saying, my goodness, how do I protect my assets? I don't want the government to get all my money if I have to go into a nursing home. And I think that's looking at it a little differently because the government is not getting your money. It's will the government pay for your expenses or are you going to pay for your own expenses once you hit that point? And um, understand that Medicaid and even these veterans' benefits are designed for people who cannot afford to take care of themselves. And personally, I would rather be in the position of private pay. You're going to have more options. Not every nursing home will take uh, Medicaid patients. Also, um, for many people who hit that level, they don't have the option of just checking into an assisted living, even though there might be some care once you're in there that's available to you. But Medicaid doesn't pay for assisted living. It's either be at home, uh, pay for yourself, or go to a nursing home. So you have more options if you have some sort of long-term care insurance that's going to cover you, or you've built up enough assets, because that's what they're designed to do. Those That savings, those assets you've built up are designed to care for you at the end of your life and that's when we spend most of our assets and I just say don't worry about it be glad you have it this is money talks on MPB think radio we have another caller on the line so we're going to go to the Meridian area and invite Butch into the conversation go ahead Butch you're on the air with us uh, yes uh, my mother is on Medicaid and she has an acre land that has she's a tiny a tiny homeless if you can call us that uh, but anyway, it's not suitable to live in, and she uh, can't really pay the taxes. And But she's afraid to sell it because she's, afraid, she's told if she does, she'll lose her Medicaid benefit. Okay. What can we well, do there? Um, let me ask you this. I wasn't really clear. Is she claiming that as her residence? Yes. Does she have homestead exemption on it? Uh, I believe so. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, if it is her primary residence and she is claiming homestead exemption on it, then it is um, her home for practical purposes. And it does count as one of those assets that I mentioned in the first segment of the program, non-countable assets. So if she needs nursing home care and you said she's on Medicaid that can have a couple of different reasons she may have Medicaid for medical purposes but is she in the nursing home and receiving Medicaid benefits no she's not in the nursing home it's just the Medicaid part of it that we're concerned her losing that uh okay. we're actually trying right. to move her into something better you know uh on my property or my sister's property get her a better place to live because it's not a suitable place for her to live Okay, understood. Um, but like I said, it may not be suitable, but as long as she does have homestead exemption on it, it will count as residence and therefore be a non-countable asset. But if she turns around and sells the property, then she has converted the non-countable residence into countable cash. 
so if she went over that $4,000 asset limit, then yes, she would be disqualified from Medicaid unless she spent all of that money um, in really the month after receiving it. So does that answer your question? Okay, well, if she to take that money and buy a car, which she does not have, which she needs, would that count as, you know, because you said that I think would, the car is one of those. That's right. Uh, the a car is a non-countable asset, so it would kind of be a three-step process. She would sell the residence, receive the cash, uh, which would otherwise disqualify her, but then she turns around and buys a vehicle, and it would have to be titled in her name. Uh, but she buys that vehicle with the cash, so now we have another non-countable asset. So everything would uh, still be okay. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it very much. Thanks for your call. Thanks, Bush. We appreciate you calling in. We're talking about paying for nursing home costs. Would you like to read more on this topic? We'll tell you how. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. So we are talking today about paying for nursing home costs, and um, our guest Kelly Kyle actually helped write a book, How to Protect Your Family's Assets from Devastating Nursing Home Costs, the Mississippi Edition. So, Kyle, we want to talk about pre-planning, but first, um, if you don't have or qualify for uh, resources like Medicaid or VA benefits, what are you left with trying to pay for nursing home costs? Where where would people come up with uh, the, the money? Well, it's going to come from uh, their own personal assets. And, of course, uh, Nancy said in the previous segment that uh, people uh, should be saving for their retirement, and um, those funds would be fair game for paying for these types of costs first. Um, 
you go through cash, then it comes down to liquidate other assets, stocks or bonds or any other assets that you may have in your portfolio. Uh, the other non-countable uh, or, excuse me, countable assets would also uh, have to be liquid. That could include real estate other than your home. Um, but again, we try to let people know that uh, there are ways of paying for nursing home costs and still being able to uh, protect those assets. People want to be able to leave a legacy for their family members. They uh, want to leave behind an inheritance. They typically don't want to see all of their hard-earned savings um, being spent on their last few years of care in a nursing home. We have a lot of clients here in Mississippi that have had land that's been in the family for years and years, for generations. And uh, I helped the family up in North Mississippi not too long ago put together a plan uh, that would enable them to keep about 180 acres of timberland uh, in the family that had been uh, theirs for, like I said, about three generations. So um, if you have assets, yes, uh, you will need to spend them down before you qualify for these benefits. But again, we just try to let people know that there are things that can be done even if a family member is already in the nursing home. Uh, one of the misconceptions that we hear from people is, uh, oh, it's too late to do any of this. Mom is already in the nursing home. I know we should have done it five years ago. Unfortunately, now it's too late. And we just try to let people know that that really is not the case. There are things that can be done to protect these assets, even if someone is in the nursing home today, may have already even been there for a long period of time. The stories that I really hate to hear uh, are the ones that say, well, we started uh, 10 years ago, mom and dad had, you know, a million dollars in savings, and now we're down just to the last little bit of that. What can we do? And those are the families that, unfortunately, I, I tell you had come to see me uh, 10 years ago we could have saved a, a very substantial portion of those assets. It did not all have to be spent down uh, on their care. So we've, you know, obviously stated how important it is for, for pre-planning. So when would you recommend planning for long-term care begin? Well, one of the first things that people can do really at any age um, is look into long-term care insurance. We make a blanket recommendation to all of the uh, people that we speak to uh, in the course of the year, the seminars that we uh, previously did for COVID, we would you know, speak to probably more than 1,000 people in the course of a year uh, in our seminars, and we would make a blanket recommendation that they talk to someone in the insurance industry about getting long-term care insurance. That's something that if you obtain it while you're relative in your 40s or 50s, uh, you know, the premiums are not going to be that great, and it can uh, completely pay for the cost of a nursing home stay if and when you need it later on. Uh, of course, and again, Kelly, saving well, is a, a great thing to be done. Like Nancy said, that gives you some uh, flexibility. It uh, allows you really to choose uh, what nursing home you would be in. She mentioned uh, rightfully that not every nursing home accepts Medicaid, so uh, you are somewhat limited in the facility that you might receive your care in. But I tell people the most effective nursing home plan that I can put together 
is one that we do five years and a day before someone goes into the nursing home. So, uh, you know, somewhat in jest, I tell people, check your calendar, let me know when that's going to be, and come and see me five years and a day before you go. Uh, we can protect everything if we have five years to work with. Obviously, uh, nobody knows if they're going to need a nursing home um, or when that's going to be. But, um, again, we just try to let people know that even though uh, that five-year period that everybody seems to be familiar with but probably greatly misunderstands, uh, the five years does have some relevance to this, but plans can still be set up that are very uh, effective even if we don't have five years to work with. Go ahead, Nancy. Well, I was just going to say with long-term care insurance and uh, reiterate what Kelly said, we usually tell people in their 50s, you need to look for long-term care insurance if that's what you need to do. And typically, if I have somebody with half a million or less, a couple with half a million or less in um, uh, assets, liquid assets, I'm going to encourage them to look for long-term care insurance. The problem is a lot of people show up at our doorsteps in their 70s and say, I think I'm going to check into long-term care insurance. At that point, it's so expensive, and it's really difficult to look at that and say, well, is it really worth it? Our biggest concern is when we have a couple and we are not sure what's going to happen there if we have one of them that has to go into the nursing home and then we have one of them staying at home so we're trying to maintain two households that can be very expensive understand that um, you're probably still going to have some offsets you're still going to be collecting social security if you have a pension that's going to be coming in so now you just have to make up the difference between that and the cost of any kind of long-term care facility um, Kelly, how competitive is the marketplace for something like long-term uh, long care insurance, and w what sort of tips and suggestions would you give to someone when they begin to investigate that marketplace? Well, uh, Kevin, I'm not really an expert in that field. You know, we are a law firm. We don't sell insurance. We try to make people aware that we are only uh, trying to help them on the legal side. We're not trying to sell them investments. We're not trying to sell them insurance. So we suggest that they uh, talk to someone who's uh, maybe that they have uh, a pre-existing relationship with to talk about those long-term care uh, insurance needs. But we always recommend that they, uh, if they're going to get the policy, that they get one from a very highly rated company, one that's solvent, and obviously one that will be there when the need for those benefits arises. And um, there are some very good products out there that I'm aware of. Uh, there's something that's sort of a hybrid between a life insurance policy and a long-term care policy. If you just get long-term care insurance, it only pays if you have to go to the nursing home. But there are these uh, life insurance policies with long-term care rider that will pay at least a certain portion of the value of the policy if someone needs the nursing home benefits, but if there are any benefits left, it will still pay um, a life insurance benefit at the time of the insured's death. So that seems to work for a lot of people, but again, not really my area of expertise. I might defer to Nancy and Ryder um, for some more on that. Nancy, any thoughts on that? Well, I always suggest people try to get two to three quotes 
um, understand that insurance is regulated by the state, in this case, the state of Mississippi. So it's going to be pretty standard. The problem that we see is that folks will go to an insurance person who gives them a quote uh, with a certain set of items in the list on the policy. And then they go to a second person, which has a totally different set of items on the list. So whatever that first person quotes you on, the daily amounts that they'll cover, if there's an inflation rider, which we do encourage you to look for an inflation rider, total uh, policy coverage there, try to get the second agent to quote on that same set of characteristics on the policy. And then what you're doing is you're judging based on, is this company going to be around when I need it? Because a long-term care policy is a long-term purchase. Um, it's going to be decades before you're going to be then enacting that policy. And then it's just a matter of what's the premium. Uh, again, regulated by the state, try to get them to quote on the same list and then do your comparison. Uh, Kelly, what types of discussion needs to take place in a family before there's even a suggestion that, let's say, dad or mom needs to live in a nursing home? Well, um, obviously, moving to a nursing home from one's home is probably one of the most difficult decisions that any family is going to deal with. Uh, a lot of times uh, older people are very resistant to leave their home and hey that's completely understandable. Who wouldn't be? Um, but a lot of times um, you know it just becomes medically necessary for that type of care uh, when mom and dad can't stay in the home longer. And it is certainly helpful if that um, agreement can be reached uh, before there's a, a fall or an injury or something like that. Uh, the transition usually happens uh, much smoother, easier, if the parents are uh, in agreement that it's time uh, for that to happen. But a lot of times, you know, it's something that unfortunately is just kind of forced upon them because they simply uh, cannot be cared for um, the home, and it, it's just absolutely necessary that the transition occur. Uh, if you would tell us a little bit about a trust, setting up a trust, and, and whether you think that's a good idea. Well, um, there are two types of trusts, uh, basically. There is a revocable trust, which is what we in our firm recommend for uh, a lot of people just to do general estate planning. That's a way of uh, keeping assets out of the Chantry court system, out of probate. In the event someone becomes incapacitated, it helps to avoid a conservatorship. It also uh, keeps things out of the probate system after someone uh, passes away. If the assets are in the trust, they uh, can go directly to uh, the named beneficiaries without having to wait for court approval and all of the delays uh, that are otherwise required. But that revocable trust not protect um, the assets from being counted in determining Medicaid eligibility. That requires an irrevocable trust. And we do use irrevocable trust pretty frequently um, in the area of asset protection. But um, the disadvantage to the irrevocable trust is that uh, say, for instance, mom and dad create the irrevocable trust and then they transfer certain of their assets to that trust, but mom and dad can't be in control of it any longer. It has to be 
um, set up so that uh, a child or a combination of the children are in control of the assets in that irrevocable trust. So it's a bit of a compromise. You give up control of the assets, but you have removed those assets uh, from your name, so they're therefore not countable by aid in determining your Medicare eligibility. Again, that five-year period comes into play. If it is done five years and a day before going into the nursing home, um, Medicaid doesn't even need to know that those assets ever belonged to mom and dad. Uh, if it's done less than five years, then yes, we do have to uh, report that the transfer has taken place. But an irrevocable trust is a very uh, effective planning tool in removing assets from someone's name in order to qualify uh, for Medicaid benefits. And again, uh, it's completely allowed by the Medicaid rules and regulations, uh, but if it's done less than five years from the submission of the Medicaid application, you just have to report the transfer. We're talking about how you might pay for nursing home care with our guest, attorney Kelly Kyle. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. We're glad you found our show Money Talks. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Here's a reminder, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. you can listen live to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. We are visiting this morning with uh, attorney Kelly Kyle, and we've been talking about protecting your family's assets from nursing home costs. Uh, Nancy, you had a question? Go ahead, please. Um, Kelly, I, I think this model that we have of nursing homes developed in like the 60s and the support through Medicaid happened around the same time. And it's very expensive. And as you mentioned, a lot of people don't want to go to nursing homes. Are you seeing any changes in the law? Is there talk of any change in this model that would be supported by Medicaid that would not land us all in nursing homes? Well, um, there seems to be a movement. I'm not sure how concrete it is yet, but um, as you mentioned, nursing homes are very expensive and um, people would much rather receive care in their own homes. There are some waiver programs available under the Medicaid program, but um, that enables people or have their cost of care to remain in their homes paid for Medicaid. 
but um, there's a very lengthy waiting list for that program and um, there's not a lot of money uh, to go around. Of course, Mississippi has refused to expand Medicaid uh, even though there is any available for it. But uh, I would like to see that expanded. And, um, perhaps people be able to remain or more people be able to remain in their homes rather than receiving the care in a, a nursing home facility. So, uh, Kelly, we've been talking a lot about what you should do to protect assets as a senior who might be headed to a nursing home stay. And I think we might have touched on it earlier, but what are some things that you shouldn't do? Well, uh, probably the biggest thing that shouldn't uh, that people shouldn't do is try to do this themselves. We have seen so many uh, just really disastrous results from people trying to do this type of planning themselves. I think I mentioned before there's so much information that's available out there on the internet, and you can Google Medicaid strategies and get a lot of information, but the um, information that you're receiving may not be applicable to the state that you're in. What uh, might Michigan is not going to work in Mississippi. So uh, you really need to be sure that you have good information and uh, of course the best way uh, to obtain good information and obtain a strategy is to go to an expert. So um, if you have done that, you're going to be on the right path from the very beginning. You're not going to uh, have to make costly corrections to mistakes that have already been made. And uh, the end result is probably going to be much um, better, much more effective if you're working with an expert from the very beginning. And as you mentioned, there are different uh, laws in each state. Um, as we've had the conversation here, are there some laws here in Mississippi that you think it's important for folks to know about? Well, of course, the um, Medicaid rules and regulations are what we are governed by, even though those are available um, on the Internet. They probably don't mean a lot. Uh, to the average person. It's a very lengthy set of rules and regulations. But um, those are what govern the Mississippi Medicaid program uh, exclusively. So uh, that's what we rely on. I have uh, that volume on my desk. It pretty much stays there all the time, and I refer to it uh, very frequently. One question that um, I had been asked not too long ago was, whether Mississippi has any laws that make adult children responsible for supporting their parents uh, and even going as far as being legally responsible for paying their nursing home costs. And I can tell you that we do not have any uh, law that require that, but people, when they're acting on behalf of their parents under a power of attorney, uh, for instance, uh, they need to be very careful in things on their parents' behalf. Uh, they need to always be sure that they are not signing anything that would obligate them personally to pay for mom and dad's nursing home stay. In other words, they're not co-signing for it. In the event that mom and dad's assets run out, uh, they're not obligating themselves to use their own assets. People that are, um, as I said, acting on their parents' behalf under a power of attorney always need to be sure that uh, when they're signing something on the parents' behalf that um, they sign uh, the parent's name followed by the child's name 
followed by the designation POA or agent. That way it's clear that they are not signing that document in their own capacity. They're signing it as agent for uh, mom and dad. So uh, that's a, a very important thing that a lot of people are not aware of. And uh, we've had people come to us saying now the nursing home is trying to hold us responsible uh, and we don't think we should be uh, having to pay for their care out of our pockets. What can we do? And we tell them it all depends on uh, what they may have signed in the past. And again, I think you had mentioned this earlier, but is it ever too late to protect your assets from qualifying for Medicaid? We tell people, again, we can help them with this program or with uh, these benefits, uh, even if someone is already in the nursing home or has been there for a long period of time. Uh, they just need to get some qualified advice. Thanks so much, Kelly. We're about to wrap up, and I would like to remind everybody that's listening of Kelly's website. It's kyle-winn.com. Also a reminder, it is open enrollment through December 7th for Medicare. The website medicare.gov might answer questions. Uh, the Social Security Administration's website ssa.gov also has Medicare information for you. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from our listeners. Thanks for contributing during last week's drive time. We truly appreciate your partnering with us to fund our local shows. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Java Chapman. For Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Ryder Taff, and our attorney a guest, Kelly Kyle, I'm Kevin Farrell, asking to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.